Well, greetings. Thank you, Adam and Pastor Amber. My name is Jay O'Brien, and I serve as a pastor at Scarlet City Church. And before we hop into scripture for our message this morning, I just want to highlight something we've been sharing as a church. If you have any needs, it could be no matter how small or great, we would love to know so that we can pray for you. And if you need financial assistance in the season, we would like to explore ways that we can help you in your present situation. Toward that end, we've started a prayer team and a financial relief fund. You can give to this fund by going to our website. And if you're someone who has not been financially impacted in this present season, please consider supporting and giving to those who have. Also, we would love for you to be a part of our prayer team. Uh, we're going to um, connect weekly with different prayer requests for our church, for our city and world. And this is a great way to enter in and press into God's heart in this season. To sign up, you can email Janelle Jackson. Her email is just janelle at scarletcitychurch.org. It'll be in the comments section of the YouTube video. And again, we'd love for you to join us on that team. Well, please open your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. You know, in this disorienting season, it can feel like we're living in some kind of dystopian movie. Uh, two weeks ago, just after Governor DeWine had uh, required businesses to close unless they were essential, um, I was at Easton, and apparently Sprint is an essential business, and so I was in there updating my phone and getting service, and I walked through the shopping center in the outside part near, I remember, I think Pottery Barn was there, and I was the only person there in the middle of the day. And it was just eerie. And there was a few things I thought, you know, it was, I, I felt, first of all, alone because I was. You felt isolated and alone. But then I started to worry. Or what, what, what happened to all the people who worked here, the hundreds of people, thousands of people whose livelihood and jobs depended on a paycheck from these places? I, I worried. And then, and then I was a little anxious. Is, is it going to ever open back up? I mean, we think things will get back to how they were, but we're not owed that. Is there some drastic change? Will Easton be what it was in the past? And I think those feelings can encompass much of how pain and wilderness seasons can lead us to feel. Some of us feel alone in these seasons. If you're living alone, you certainly can feel that maybe in ways you never have before, to be alone in your apartment for for weeks. But even if you have family or roommates, you can be in the company of people but still feel isolated. Pain does that. It gets us to places where we can feel like we're in it just by ourselves. And then there's this temptation to respond by wanting to just get back to normal. Some of us in the wilderness season, we're just like, can it just end? Can we just be back to the way things were? But Real painful situations never lead us back to how they were. It leads us, it always changes us, and it can lead us and launch us into one or two directions. For some of us, the painful situations, the wilderness experiences of our life can lead us on the other end being cynical and bitter and perpetuating the pain, continuing the wilderness, extending the wilderness to others. But some on the other end of pain, on the other end of hard 
circumstances, they become more loving, compassionate, and people of stronger faith. In this season, we've been looking at the wilderness and how it shapes us and lessons we can learn. And specifically, we've asked how we can, why we can trust Jesus in this season. And what we see is that trusting Jesus, when we follow him as he enters into the wilderness in this passage in Luke 4, that we can emerge on the other end of people of greater love, people of greater compassion, people of stronger faith. Last week, we looked specifically at how Jesus relates to pain, that he doesn't run from pain, but he, he enters in. And one of the things that we said was that Jesus leverages his power and his privilege, not for selfish ends. We looked at the first temptation where Satan said, turn this stone into bread, and Jesus refrained. Not because he didn't have the power, right? because Jesus later does take a few loaves of bread and fish and feed thousands of people. He has the power but he refrains from using the power for just personal protection and personal ends. And this week, I want to continue that concept. I want to talk specifically about power and privilege. What Jesus teaches about them, about the temptations that he was confronted with and that we're confronted with today around power and privilege, and how when we join him, we can enter in being people of compassion and love and faith. So let's look at the power and privilege, what Jesus exposes. First, Jesus exposes the temptation to be in a position of power. Jesus exposes the temptation to be in control. Uh, in verse 5, it says, Then the devil led him up, led Jesus up to a high place, and he showed him in a flash all the kingdoms of the world. Now, most scholars believe that this didn't physically happen, but this is in some sense a, a vision or, or entering into a supernatural realm. And in verse 6, And he said to him, Satan said to Jesus, To you I will grant this whole realm and the glory that goes along with it, for it has been relinquished to me and I can give it to anyone I wish. Satan presents to Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and says, I can give this to you. You can be king. You can have power. You can have control. Many of us struggle with a desire to be in control, to have power. This present pandemic situation exposes that anxiety for many of us. Many of us feel a sense of powerlessness, a, lot, a lack of control especially in ways that we used to have control. Many of us feel a lack of control in our present situation. Can you relate to that? Are you feeling a lack of power and control in this present situation? Maybe for you, the feeling of a lack of control or powerlessness is related to the medical situation. Maybe you look at people, maybe you're quarantining yourself, but you look at the news of people going to beaches and churches opened and you, you just feel this <clears throat> stress of wondering, you know, you can't control these other people's behavior, but their behavior has direct implications on you and everyone else. This reminder that we can't control other people and other people's unwise decisions might impact us. Or maybe you feel a powerlessness because maybe you have pre-existing conditions and you're worried if you contract the virus, will your body 
have the power and ability to overcome it. This powerlessness and lack of control. Maybe for you, the powerlessness that you feel is related to being a business owner. Maybe you've owned a shop and you've had to close it up. Not because of your decision, but decisions made by the governing authorities led you to close your shop and maybe it's not going to open. Or maybe you feel the, the uh, fluctuation in the global markets and, the, and maybe you've lost a lot of your future retirement and this lack of control where you're just alone for the ride. Many of us in this season can just feel the sense of powerlessness and control. And it exposes something. It exposes a tendency that we all have and that a tendency that we express, see expressed by the devil himself in this situation. Looking again at our text in verse 7, Satan says to him, So then, if you will worship me, he's speaking to Jesus, if you will worship me, all of this, all the dominion, all the, the realms and kingdoms of the world will be given to you, will be yours. Jesus said, it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, Satan doesn't have the power to make this offer. If I sent out a video later today and on it there's a headline, um, important announcement. What's Jay going to say? And, and you click on it and I stand up before you and I say... I have news, Ohio. Schools are going to be opened tomorrow. Businesses can go back to their practices and they can open up. Our social distancing rules are no longer in effect. You, you, you would watch that and be like, I, did he send out the, does he know April Fool's was on the first? Because surely he doesn't really think he has the authority to make that kind of statement. I can tell you what wouldn't happen. What wouldn't happen is the schools would not open up. Businesses would not open up again and social distancing rules would still be enforced because I don't have the authority to make those statements. Satan does not have the authority to give power to Jesus. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus says, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus knows there is a place for God that is reserved for God. And that place is a place of worship and ultimate service because God alone is God and he alone has the authority. Are there ways in your life that you are replacing God? Are there ways you're trying to be God that you were never created and intended to be? Are you trying to be all-knowing? Do you think you can have the answer for all things? Are you tempted to have the best perspective on all of this and give your hot take on everything and all the answers related to economics and medical situations? There's this temptation to be all-knowing. Are you tempted to be all-present, everywhere, all the time? I mean, we can feel this right now with the technology where in some senses we can, but that can then seep into our home life and rather than being present with people, we're always somewhere else. Are you trying to be all-present? everywhere? Are you trying to be all-powerful? Are you trying to control situations that you are unable to control? A spiritual mentor in my life in one hard season, I remember he said to me, Jay, 
God is in control, so you don't have to be. There is comfort in knowing that I do not have to have all the answers, that I do not have to be everywhere, and I do not have to be all-powerful because there is a God who knows all, is everywhere, and has the power to redeem and protect and rescue. Are you trying to be God in ways you aren't able to be? There's this temptation to be in control, to have the power, but also... We see how Jesus relates to privilege. And when I looked at the text this past week, this really opened up to me in a profound way. What we see here is that Jesus exposes the temptation to use our privilege as God's children to force God's hand. Jesus exposes, it's interesting, Jesus exposed this this temptation to prove it. To prove it in two ways. Let me unpack what I mean here. Really, the question we're asking is, what is Satan doing? Why does he offer this temptation? It seems different. It seems weird. Satan, he brings Jesus to Jerusalem and has him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, this is most likely some kind of vision. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He brings him to the temple, to the highest point of the city, the highest, most glorious building that represents God's presence. And he says, Jesus, throw yourself down. Now, notice why, there's two reasons why Satan does this. The first reason is that he wants Jesus to prove his privilege. He wants Jesus to prove his status with God. That's why he says, if you are the Son of God, you see, says, Jesus, look, if if you really are who you claim to be, if you are the Son of God, if you have this place of privilege, then throw yourself down because God's going to be obligated to follow through on his promise to this person. And that's why Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, when I was a teenager, I had made some really, really foolish, and not just foolish, but wrong decisions in my life. Things I look back on and I think, man, that that was not okay. On one particular situation, when when I was in high school, I was was a troublemaker and and I would routinely get in trouble. And in one situation I was doing, I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but it was was wrong enough that a teacher was sending me um, to detention, which was a pretty normal occurrence. And I threatened the teacher by saying, my dad at the time served on the school board. And I just gently dropped that fact. You know, my dad is on the school board, of which my teacher rightly perceived this is some kind of threat. That I had this privilege and this power that could lead to her job potentially being in jeopardy. And she anxiously reported it to her boss. And of course, my dad talked to me. And there's no way my dad is going to allow his position of serving on the school board to get me out of trouble. He is not going to do that. But it was his foolishness that I wanted to use the sense of privilege of my dad being on the school board to bail me out of a hard situation. Jesus is saying, look, God's not going to bail you out of foolish decisions. He is not obligated because of your privileged position of being his child 
to rescue you from jumping off of a building. It's not the way God operates. Your privilege, your position as his child does not bind him to use his power to bail you out of foolish situations. He says, don't put God to the test. But then, then here's the second angle of this. Here's the second thing. First of all, Jesus is what, what he's doing is he's saying, um, or Satan, what he's doing is saying, prove it, Jesus. But then notice what, what Jesus did. Jesus demonstrates a sense of security in his relationship with God. Jesus doesn't bite the bait. He doesn't, Satan wants to lead, he wants to drive a wedge between Jesus and God the Father, and Jesus doesn't let him. Jesus is secure in his relationship with the Father. There's nothing he needs to prove. You know, it's again like thinking of a teenager parental relationship. I, I know there were times in my life where I tried to manipulate my parents, and, and I would say things like, you know, if you really loved me, if you really loved me, you would like, if you really loved me, mom and dad, you would let me, you would extend my curfew. <laughs> if you really loved me, mom and dad, you would let me get a PlayStation. To which, you know, a loving parent and wise parent in those situations, they don't think, oh, oh man, he's right. Oh, we, we should get him the PlayStation because we love him. You know, we, we, we want him to know that we love him. And so we need to buy him things that will make him happy. You know, a loving parent's response is they see through the ploy. And, and, and here's the interesting thing. When you really love someone and you're secure in that love, you don't feel the obligation to prove it through superficial means. As if saying... You know, Jay, teenage Jay, if you think buying a PlayStation is the level of love, man, you really don't know how high I really love you. Someone, a parent who loves their child, they're not willing to just get a PlayStation. They're willing to give their life for their child. Jesus, on one occasion, He's with his disciples. And he says to them in John 15, verse 9 and following, he says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. And he talks about the love of the Father, abiding in the Father. And then he says this in verse 12. He says, But my commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus is saying, Look, the Father loves me, and I love you. And I want you to continue that love. And then here's how Jesus loves them. Look at this in verse 13. Jesus says, No one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. The people who are secure in their love don't feel compelled to prove it through superficial means. They know the power and extent of that love. In these situations, it's tempting to look at the darkness. It's tempting to look at the pain 
and the loss and to ask, where is the love of God? Has God demonstrated his love? Prove it, God. If you really love us, then how are you tempted to fill in that statement? No one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. Jesus refrains from using his power, his power as God's son, his power as the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God. He refrains from using his power. He refrains from using his privilege as the Son of God. He refrains from using his power and privilege to promote himself. And he enters the wilderness. Here for 40 days and 40 nights, but eventually the story will lead him to the he enters the darkness of death so that we, through faith in his death and resurrection, can walk in eternal light. You know, this Sunday is Good Friday. And on what sense can any day that commemorates the death of the one perfect man, on what sense can... Can the death, the greatest injustice in the history of the world, in what sense can that be good? Do you see? Do you see? That Jesus enters where we never could. He has the power we do not have, the privilege that was not ours. He enters, he uses and leverages those things to give us power, to lift us up, and to give us privilege, to invite us into the family of God. That's what makes this Friday good. Friends, in this disorienting season where it feels like some crazy dystopian movie set that we find ourselves in, in this season, would you trust Jesus? Would you invite him maybe for the first time in your life? Or maybe you're someone who walked with him at one point, but have gone astray wondering, can we trust him? Well, in this season, you embrace Jesus. Will you trust him? Will you look to his power and privilege that was leveraged for your flourishing? And in so doing, allow it to internalize your mind, your heart, and then send you into the world as a person of greater love, greater compassion, greater faith. Jesus resists the temptation to use power and privilege for personal gain and in so doing invites us to live and rest and move forward in a world of love and hope. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, thank you for being a loving and compassionate God. It is so tempting, so tempting to want to control all things. It is so tempting to want to leverage our privileges for just our own benefit. God, may we in this wilderness situation become people of greater faith and love and compassion. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, you can continue to follow us 
through email and social media. This week, we uh, this Holy Week, we want to invite you to engage. Uh, tomorrow morning, Pastor Mike is going to be leading us in every everyday order where he's going to talk through feasting um, and fasting. On Wednesday, Pastor Jacob's going to be sending out a resource for kids. And Thursday, I'm going to be a part of a conversation with some other pastors as we talk about Good Friday. And then Friday, we're having our 10 Embrace service at 8.30 p.m. And then Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. Will you uh, receive this benediction as we go from 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. God bless you.